Amen. Well, church, thank you so much for that, for praying, um, for our worship team. It matters. Um, if you want to set yourself reminders occasionally, pray for your staff. It, it really matters. It goes a long way. Uh, guys, we're, we're in week six, man. We're, we're in the home stretch of this series on storms. Um, I, I know what it's like, man. We've been hearing so many testimonies of how God is using this series uh, speaking to people right where they are, uh, that's also come with, hey, hey, this has been so real. Could our next series be on, like, blessings, Pastor? Is that, is that possible? So, um, so just, it's okay. The next one's on gratitude, but it's, it's kind of similar. So um, I'm going to ask for a favor this morning, uh, two of them really. One, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to open up to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. Um, the book of Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 11. Uh, also, we're going to ask that you grab a bulletin. Now, if you didn't get one of these when you came in, that's okay. Uh, if you did, you can open it up. Um, there's fill-in-the-blank sermon notes. Um, I'm sorry this week. It's kind of it's crowded, but, uh, but it's okay. Our digital notes might be a little more easy for you to use. Same way we did the offering. Open up the camera app on your phone. Point it up there. Uh, it'll take you to our online uh, digital notes, and, and they're, they're awesome. It's going to be super handy this week. We've got lots of little extras um, for you to add in. As you guys get ready, I'm going to pray for our time in God's Word, and then we're going to jump in uh, together. Father, um, be glorified in all that happens here. Holy Spirit, we um, intentionally pause every week and ask you to come and fill this pulpit. You are the teacher of the church. Come and exalt Jesus in our midst. Let, him, let us see him clearly, uh, more clearly than maybe ever before. Uh, teach us from the inside out who he is, and who we need to be because of who he is. Change us. Uh, change us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, guys, I'm in Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to start in verse 11, and we're going to read through uh, verse 15. It says this, and it says, And he uh, himself gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, equipping the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature that's measured by Christ's fullness. Then we will no longer be little children, tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching. That's our storm there, guys. Uh, by human cunning with cleverness and the techniques of deceit. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into Him who is the head. That is Christ. That is Christ. There's three things I want to share with you uh, this morning, guys. Storms can easily throw you off course. Storms can easily throw you off course, but they don't have to. All right? That's the good news. They don't have to. Now, they, they can easily do it. They do it to ships all the time. Uh, you know, you, you, you think about old school when it was just sailing vessels all the time. A big storm would come up. It was often push somebody off course. And storms of life can similarly do that for us, right? And, and I'm going to put four, uh, verse 14 back up on the screen. It says this. It says, then we will no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching. Right? It's talking about the effect of, of, of all the things we hear in life. I don't know if you realize this, but there are a lot of voices in our world, and not all of them are from God. 
right? In fact, James says we should test the spirits. There's so many spirits around us we don't see. And so, so what happens is we live in this world that's constantly pulling us one direction or another. And, uh, and that's the kind of storm that, that we're talking about in Ephesians. But, but we, we read something similar in the book of James. Uh, James talks about a, a, a different kind, but it's a, it, it has the same effect. Um, he talks about the difficulty of trials and specifically the pull of temptation and sin. It has the same effect that we read about in this passage. James 1, 13 through 15, no one undergoing a trial, you could call that a storm, uh, should say, I'm being tempted by God, since God is not tempted by evil, he himself doesn't tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when he is drawn away. It's that same thing. It's being tossed about. It's being pulled away. It's being drawn away. It says, and enticed by his own evil desires. Then after the desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin's fully grown, it gives birth to death. The very next verse, James 16 through, uh, 1, 16 through 18, says, Then don't be deceived, my dear brothers. And it's going to talk about every good and perfect gift is from God. Now that phrase in the Greek, don't be deceived, is really an interesting phrase. Because what it means is, don't go astray. Don't get pulled away. Don't wander and in fact, uh, Eugene Patterson in, in, uh, in uh, the message translates it this way, James 1, 16. He says, so my very dear friends, don't get thrown off course, right? Don't get thrown off course. Guys, it's a really important reminder that that is often what happens when we go through storms is if, if we're not careful, they can throw us off course of where we want to head right, of where we want to head. So, so as James says, don't get thrown off course. That's what they do. But listen, here's where we grow, right? We're growing through storms, not just going through storms. It doesn't have to be that way. Guys, there is a way that you can endure the storms of life and not have them throw you completely off course. And so let's talk about that way. That's our second point. Growing in our knowledge of Jesus can serve as an anchor for the storms we face. Alright? Growing in our knowledge of Jesus can serve as an anchor for the storms that we face. So context is key, right? Uh, verse 11, we're talking about Jesus here, and He Himself gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be uh, evangelists, some pastors and teachers. And then we read this in verse 12 and 13, uh, to equip, so He gave these people in the church to equip the saints for the work of ministry, to build up the body of Christ. And, and what are we building them in? It's, it's in the knowledge of God's Son. And he says, and this is, is growing in maturity. So, so the role of the church is, is to equip the saints, that's you guys, to equip the people. And equipping them uh, means that we're, we're growing them, right? That, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to build up, to grow, and we're growing all in the knowledge of God's Son who is Jesus. And the Bible says that that's maturity, right? And that maturity has a result in verse 14. Then... When that happens, uh, then we will no longer be tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching. So listen, this, this increased knowledge of Jesus has an effect, right? In the storms of life that should be, like could literally blow us off course, that the understanding of who Jesus is and who we are in Jesus can actually anchor us regardless of what we're facing, right? 
And that's actually what the author of Hebrews writes, uh, Hebrews 6, uh, 19 through 20. He says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary. What, what, who is it? What, what is it? It says, behind the curtain, Jesus has entered there. Jesus serves as our anchor as we, we, we go through all the challenges of life. And, and listen, we, we, we talked about two here, so specifically in Ephesians 4, it's all those voices that are constantly trying to pull us astray, and then we get to James, and it's the voice in our own head and our heart that's trying to lead us in tempt, into temptation. But, but this principle is true no matter what you're facing, is that the storms of life have the power to blow you off course, but they don't have to. You can remain anchored in Jesus, Right? You can remain anchored in Jesus. Uh, I love that imagery. Right? If, if we're thinking about uh, an, an ocean, we're thinking about being tossed about, think, think about maybe we're, we're the ship, we're on the ship, and, and how that anchor is, is what holds us. There was a, uh, there was a praise song written in, in the early 90s. It was sung by... Anybody... Uh, we're, we're going way back, early praise songs, okay? So you're going to show your age here. Anybody remember a dude named Ray Bolts? Right? Come on. How many of you are thinking, Thank you for giving to the Lord. I'm alive. No, okay, I'm not seeing the whole thing. That was changed. Okay, um, I wasn't even a believer early. Like, I, I didn't get saved till like, 96, 97, so I had to go back and listen to that stuff. Um, but he sang another song uh, back in the early 90s uh, titled The Anchor Holds. I'm just going to read it to you because it's kind of like a poem. He says, I have journeyed through the long, dark night, out on the open sea by faith alone, sight unknown, and yet his eyes were watching me. He says, the anchor holds, though the ship is battered. The anchor holds, though the sails are torn. I have fallen on my knees as I face the raging seas. The anchor holds in spite of the storm. That's what we need to remember, y'all. When we're going through stuff in life, it does not have to constantly blow us off course. Anybody get frustrated by that in yourself, by the way? Right? Stuff comes, and the next thing you know, like you're facing a totally different direction, right? You're like, golly, man, I hate being blown off course. I hate detours. Any, anybody else? Anybody else? Man, if you use ways, it'll take you on some ridiculous detours, by the way. Ridiculous detours. I don't like it. Anchor holds, okay? Third thing I want to share with you, right? So, so again, we'll recap the first two. Storms can easily throw us off course, but they don't have to. A second point is growing in our knowledge of Jesus can serve as an anchor for the storms we face. Third point is that the church exists to help you grow in practical theology that results in your participation in ministry. Okay? I'm going to say that again. The church exists to help you grow in practical theology that results in your participation in ministry. I know that is a mouthful, so we're going to walk through it, okay? It's a mouthful. So I, I hope last week when I was trying to explain, uh, you know, our need to put into practice what we hear, that was like the second application point. We've got to put it into practice. And I threw out that phrase that, that listen, there, there is a, I, I, I said, I think there's a little bit of a myth of, of discipleship in, in the church today, not our church, the global church. Some of you may have thought I said discipleship is a myth. That is not what I said. I actually, I went back and listened to it. I said discipleship is, is massively important. We care about it. Uh, it. It's most of our closed room discussions around here or 
about, hey, how well are we discipling people? Where do we need to improve? What do we need to do? Uh, that is the Great Commission, by the way, is to make disciples of all nations. So discipleship, hugely important. But what I was trying to say, if you didn't hear it, was that I do believe there is a mythology to it in which uh, many, many Christians have convinced themselves that all discipleship is is learning. And you've got a lot of these adult uh, Christians that, that, man, it's Bible study after Bible study after Bible study after Bible study. And, and what happens, y'all, if you take in all that information and you don't pour it out in ministry, I'm not going to call that discipleship. I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm just not going to call. Because all discipleship results in you sharing what you've learned with somebody else. That is discipleship. It is a process of taking in and pouring out. And if all you do is take in, you become the dead seat. Okay? So it is possible to have lots of information about Jesus. It is possible to have studied the book of Revelation for so many years that you have tried to figure it all out and you come to me and like, I know the day and the hour. And I'm be like, false prophet. Um, anyway, because even Jesus doesn't know that. But that's fine. I'm, I mean, I may not say it to your face. I might right after you turn. But mumble it under my breath. Um, and, but listen to me. It is possible to get so caught up in all the details of Scripture that you want to know, you want to know, you want to know, and you become like this great PhD, um, like Christian kind of uh, a learner person, and you get stuck in what I call a learner's loop. And y'all, if you're not pouring out what you're learning, then I'm going to question whether or not you're really a disciple. Because all discipleship is supposed to result in active ministry. And, and listen, there's a guy that says it way better than me. Daryl Guter, I uh, hope I pronounced that right. Okay. He says this. He says, for most churches, the end of discipleship is discipleship. Okay? Most churches have a church-centric goal of making people better, but God's end for discipleship has always been mission. God's end for discipleship has always been mission. God changes people to change their world. I learn so that I can share. I take in so that I can pour out. That is true discipleship. Okay? That is true discipleship. That is what it looks out, looks like. It, it, it's this, this constant pouring out. So let's walk through this last point. Uh, we got a little time. I, I'm going to go it step by step. So the church exists to help you grow. So we'll start there. The church exists to help you grow. Again, uh, verse 11 and 12. He himself gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers to equip these saints. That's what it says. To equip the saints. All right? The word equip means prepare. That preparation has to do with what? Growing in your knowledge of Jesus. Okay? So literally, the church exists to help you grow in your knowledge of Jesus. As you do, you're more mature. We're not going back and forth. Okay? So, so next point. The church exists to help you grow uh, in practical theology. That's a new word. I've never heard you say that before, Pastor Jason. Yes, new word. That's why I defined it for you. Okay? So here's how I would define practical theology. Taking the beliefs and values in Scripture and figuring out how to use them to make decisions, to solve problems, to navigate the challenges that we face. If the Bible is not practical, we have failed you. If the Bible doesn't matter in your daily thoughts and choices, then, then something's wrong. The Bible literally is living and active. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. It speaks to where you are right now. It can point out your sin, that sin that you have so carefully tried to hide, like that. It can lay you bare. But it never lays you bare to make you feel guilty. It lays you bare to say, hey, we can do better. Let's go. Right? It builds up. 
it changes us from the inside out. So practical theology is taking the beliefs, values in Scripture, figuring out how to use them to make decisions, solve problems, and navigate the challenges that we face. It is all about putting our faith into action. It's all about making our faith a part of our everyday choices and actions. And that is why the church exists. That is what we're supposed to be uh, doing. Now, uh, if that's what maturity looks like, growing into the image and the fullness of Jesus, I need you to know what all areas that involves. You're thinking, okay, well, can the Bible really apply to everything? So contextually, I'm just going to point it out. So if you have your Bibles, this is not on the screen. I want you to take these notes for a second, okay? So what all, what all does that apply to, this practical theology? Okay, number one, it applies to your thought life. Uh, Ephesians 4, 17. Therefore I say this, and I testify in the Lord, you should no longer live as the Gentiles live in the futility of their thoughts. So you've got to think different, right? You've got to think different. The Bible is here, right? One of the things the Bible should do is cause you to think differently about your life. So it has to uh, impact your thoughts, not just your thoughts, the Bible wants to impact your actions. Uh, verse 25 through 32, I won't read it all, but it says like this, put away lying, speak the truth, um, you know, uh, be angry, but don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Let no thief uh, steal any longer. It, do honest work. And it's just going to walk through all these practical, so it doesn't just change the way that I think. The Bible is meant to impact the way that I act, okay? Which, by the way, if it's doing those two, it will also impact how you feel. How you feel about God, how you feel about yourself, because that's how that works, right? So, b big deal. It should impact our aim, our goal in life. Uh, Ephesians 5.1, therefore be imitators of God. That should be our aim, right? As we study scripture, we're constantly going, Jesus, I want to be more like you. Man, I, I know when I look in the mirror that I don't see you yet. So show me what I need to change so that I can reflect your glory to a watching world. And, and so now we have a new aim. So it's affecting our thoughts. It's affecting our actions. It's affecting our aim. And y'all, it gets so real, even with the everyday area of our, of our life that we, quite frankly, don't like to talk about with anyone, especially in church, right? So I'll, I'll share this with you. Let's go down to five verse 3. But sexual immorality and impurity or greed should not even be heard of among you. Right? Whew. Hold on. Wait, wait. You're telling me that the Bible, this practical theology, that the church exists to teach me to change the way that I think and the way that I act on subjects even like sex and money? That's what the church is for. That's what the church is for. That's practical theology. That's taking the Word of God and saying, hey, this is how it impacts the way that you think in every area that you face, right? In every area that you face. So, again, we're working through the third point. The church exists to help you grow in practical theology that results in participation in ministry. That results in participation in ministry. It is so that you can do ministry and again, uh, Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. He himself gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. Why? To equip the saints for the work of ministry. Work is labor. That's the end goal. Right? That if we learn, we work. If we learn, right? We learn in order to share, in order to be who God wants us to be, which is a minister of the gospel. There may be some pastors. We're all ministers. God wants you to work for the kingdom. Okay? 
And, and listen, this happens on all kinds of levels, okay? So again, that myth of discipleship, well, I don't know enough, okay? So, Jackson, can I pick on you? All right, that's my man right there. I ate lunch with Jackson this week and his uncle. So Jackson just received Jesus, like, not long ago. Just happened, right? Then was like, hey, I'm getting baptized, y'all. Like, one of our first youth in this building could be like, hey, hey, receive Jesus, going to get baptized. I'm going to tell people, I've, I'm watching him Wednesday night. People coming out, what's up, Jackson? Like, like, I mean, it's going on. So listen, Jackson doesn't know everything about Christianity right now, but he sure knows what Jesus did for him, Right? So he knows enough to tell other people that don't know Christ, hey, here's what the Lord did for me. This is all I know. All I know is, is I knew that I needed Jesus. I knew that I didn't have him. And man, he's come into my life in a crazy way. So he knows enough about that. Now, he's a new believer. So maybe Jackson doesn't, like he's still trying to figure out how to pray. I don't know. He, he may already have that on lockdown. But maybe he's trying to figure out how to pray. So he may reach out to somebody else, right? Like, so maybe he reaches out to, to, to Coach Anderson and Coach Rose say, hey, I'm trying to figure this out. Um, and they're like, oh yeah, man, I've been praying for a bit, right? And here's, here's how I pray, right? So, so, so maybe one of those guys, though, is like, hey man, I'm, I'm struggling with the second coming of Christ, right? And what does that look like? And so they reach out to somebody else. And, and listen, we learn so that we can share. We learn so that we can pour out. We take in to pour out. We are, are saved, we are grown up in Jesus to do this, to do the work of ministry, and God intends you where you are in your walk with Him to be ministering to someone else. That's the goal. That, like that, that, that's, that's the aim. And I, I want to share a principle with you. This is not on a slide, but I'm going to ask you to write it down, please. And it is a principle that goes all the way back to the Old Testament. It actually goes all the way back to the first time that God says, hey, I'm going to make a people for myself. We now belong to that people, by the way. By the grace of God, that people started as a nation called Israel. Uh, Jesus came. Uh, that, that nation, a large part of it, rejected him, and, and, and the gates, the floodgates are opened, and we now have access uh, to become children of God through faith in Jesus, even though we were at one time foreigners and aliens to the covenants and the promises of God. Now in Jesus, we've been brought near, we've been raised up with him, and, and now we've got full access. We're citizens and heirs of the kingdom if we put our faith in Jesus, okay? So, but this goes all the way back to Abraham. Here's the principle I want you to write down. It is God's intention... Right, right, right. I'm watching. It is God's intention to bless others through you. You can use your phone. Don't you look, Curly, you better get after it. I will call you out in a heartbeat. It's called the notes app, brother. Let's go. It is God's intention to bless others through you. This is a principle that goes all the way back to the very first time God says, I'm going to make a people for myself, okay? Genesis 12, 2 and 3, speaking to Abram at the time. He changes his name to Abraham. He says, I'm going to make you into a great nation. I'm going to bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I'll curse anyone who treats you with contempt. And then look at this last part. He says, and all the people on earth will be blessed through you. Through you. It is God's intention to bless other people through you. The church exists to, to grow you up in practical theology that results in you pouring into other people, right? Everything you learn about Jesus is applicable to your life. You're changing, and now you're telling other people how they can change too. That is why the church exists. So here's our big idea this morning, y'all. Big idea, storms reveal 
our maturity. Storms reveal our maturity. People should look at you and go, hey, I know you. I've been knowing you for a while, and I'm looking at your life, and it is chaos. And all this stuff is going on. How are you so calm? How are you so centered? How are you? And you're like, because Jesus is my anchor. Let me tell you about my Jesus. Because Jesus has taught me that this too will pass, that he's got me, that it's his burden, not my burden. I made an exchange when I received Jesus. I gave him all my burdens forever, and I took upon myself his yoke, which is ministry, and I live for that, not for all the other stuff. And so even if all the other stuff fails, he won't, right? That's practical theology. So here's what I want to say to you this morning. If you're here and you're like, I'm a Christian, brother, I am. Uh, but if you're here and every time something comes your way, you are thrown off course. You're thrown off course. And every time something happens, man, it, it just, your life almost breaks up. Listen, storms reveal our maturity. So one of two things is true, if that's the case. One of two things is true. Either you're not really anchored in Jesus and you need to ask yourself that question. It's, it's an eternal question. So you've got to ask, have, have I really turned my life over to Jesus? Or, or did I, you know, do I just think about him sometimes, right? Have you, have you said, Jesus, man, I need you to come into my life. Man, I need you to take control. I, I'm messing this up. Come here. Here's my mess. I'll take your perfection. Let's go. This is better, right? If you haven't done that, that's a, there's a sign, right? So, so number one, that, that could be one thing. If everything in life, you might think that you're a believer, but you're not. That was my story, right? I wasn't raised in church, but then I dated a Christian girl. I, she made me get baptized. So like by all Christian record, I was good, right? It's like, well, I've been baptized. I was, I got wet, y'all. I did not change. I didn't give my life to Jesus. It was a weird church too. Like, I didn't know. They didn't prepare. Like, I'm doing a baptism later. I've told the lady, this is what you bring, and this is what you, and bring it back. None of that. I would show up in church service. This girl invited my mother. She kicked me into the aisle. I stumbled forward, and the guy's like, you're here to receive Jesus and be baptized today. And I'm like, sure. Um, and like, walked out with wet boxers in my pocket. Little oversharing, you're welcome. All right? Telling you, I just got wet. Completely unchanged. And so later, when I got involved in church, I thought I was a Christian. But every time something came, y'all, I was blown completely, radically off course. And if that's you, listen, storms reveal our maturity. So if, you're, if you constantly, every time something happens, you're blown off course. Number one, you may not be a believer. I wasn't. I wasn't. I'd been wet, but I never said, Jesus, man, take control of me. Here is my sin. I, I, man, be my Savior. It, it took me later. And I did do that when I was like 19, 20. Okay? So there's that. But two, maybe you're a believer that has just refused to grow. That's a problem. If you have not submitted yourself to the authority of the Bible, to the teaching of Scripture, or to the attendance of church, right? Committed yourself to learning, that's a problem, all right? So storms reveal our maturity. So what do we do because of what we've heard? Three things, I'm going to let you go. Number one, I'm watching my time. Number one, uh, first and foremost, put your faith and trust in Jesus, all right? Man, put your faith and trust in Jesus. He will not fail you. He will not let you down. He is your anchor. That's who he is. 
It's not just what he does, it is who he is, right? So, so be anchored in Christ. And, and, and that's, not, that's not anything like, like weird or strange or hard to do. It's literally, like, Jesus, man, I, I've heard that, that you'll do all these things for me. And all I have to do is give up. I just, I just have to ask you to forgive me of my sin. I have to ask you to come into my life, take control. Just please do that. I don't even know what all is going to happen or what it's going to look like, but I am so tired of, of whatever this is that I've been doing. Please, man, just, just take me. And man, he'll honor a prayer just like that, okay? So put your faith and trust in Jesus. Number two, um, commit to growing in your knowledge of Jesus. Commit to growing in your knowledge of Jesus. You know, really sad statistics. They say the average Christian now attends church uh, about 1.7 times a month. That's pretty sad. What, what are we learning? That doesn't even, we're not even going to get into how much the average Christian reads their Bible on their own. Whew, that's, that's even worse. Uh, these are not good. These are not good. Um, you were not saved in Jesus so that every storm of life would just totally jack you up. That's not who he made you to be, okay? He made you to be secure. He made you to be so strong that no matter what life throws your way, you can withstand it. You're like the lighthouse in the middle of the raging sea, right? Because Christ is your anchor. Because Christ holds you secure. He holds you fast, all right? That's who we're meant to be. And so commit to, to some kind of learning community. Listen, if you're not in a life group, um, reach out to us this week. Come see me. I'll put you in, in touch with um, Pastor John. We'll get you into a life group. And we, we, we do that. That's important, okay? If, if you don't have kids in the house, you're, you're empty nester, man. We've got things going on at 8.30 every morning. You're like, 8.30? Hey, you don't have kids. Come on. You can do it. Great Bible studies going on, all right? We've got plenty of coffee. You'll make it. You'll make it, I promise, okay? So I want to encourage you to do that. And last, um, I want to make sure that you're actively ministering to others by sharing what you're learning. So uh, here's what I want each of you to do uh, on your sheet. So everybody needs to have a Paul. Uh, that's somebody that's t- teaching and pouring into them. So write this question, who's my Paul? Okay, who's, who's teaching and pouring into you? Uh, that could be a small group leader. That could be, you know, be like, well, the pastor does. And then these people on Wednesday night, if you're a youth, you know, they pour into me. You know, but who's my Paul? Okay, and then you need to ask the second question. Everybody also needs a Timothy. See, Paul poured into Timothy. He actually poured into a lot of people. But who are you specifically pouring into? If God is pouring into you, and you don't pour into anybody, uh, y'all, y'all have heard of the Dead Sea, right? Dead Sea, there's, there's really not hardly, there's basically no life in the Dead Sea. A bunch of salt, you could go out and float on it. Uh, it. It has tons of nutrients pouring into it, but it has no outlet, okay? So listen, if we pour all of this great Jesus stuff into you, and you have no outlet, you're going to be like the Dead Sea, right? No, nothing's going to happen. No life's going to happen. You have to have somebody you're pouring into. So have at least a Timothy, at least one person, right? You're like, hey, I'm learning, so I'm going to go share with my little brother. Cool. Okay, that's somebody, right? I'm going to go share with, with this guy that I really care about uh, in my class, this guy at work, uh, this friend of mine. Um, you know, we're, we're, going to, we're going to call each other every Sunday and talk about what I'm learning. You've got to have somebody you're pouring into. That is why God saves you right? Discipleship, the reason I learn is so that I could share, okay? Does it make sense? Yes? Okay. Need more coffee? Maybe? Okay, we can get that afterwards. All right. Hey, I want to pray for us, y'all. Um, I want to pray for us. I'm going to pray for you uh, as we, we, we got about two more weeks in this storm series. Uh, the next two, I'm going to warn you ahead of time. Whoo, they're rough, Okay. 
Just prepare. Be here next week. You need, you need to be here. I'm talking about at-home people. You need to be here in person the next two weeks. Okay, that's all I've said. Um, it's, it's rough. It's rough. It's going to be good rough. It's the good rough. It's the rough you need. But, whew. Um, Father, thank you for your word, which is good and endures forever. Um, Lord, this morning, I pray specifically for anybody that hasn't turned to you yet. And just as, as your word went forth this morning, they knew, nope, that's me. Every time something goes crazy in life, I'm completely blown off course. And, and as they examine why, ultimately their answer is, well, because I've never trusted in Jesus. God, today, let today be the day that for the very first time they put their faith and trust in you, Jesus. So if that's youth, they talk to a youth leader. When they head back, if, if it's an adult, they come see me at the end of the service. They talk to somebody today that they don't let another day pass where they keep letting life just kick their butt all over the place. They say, no, man, I, I need to change. So I, I, pr- I pray for that. Lord, for every person that has had kind of laid bare their, their need to grow, and, and for some reason they've been hesitant, Lord, I, I pray this morning you put a deep desire in them to find a learning community and that they too would reach out. Say, man, help me. I want to grow. And, and lastly, Lord, for everybody that is currently growing, that you would place a deep burning desire on their heart that that growing must be must result in sharing. And that every single one of us would have at least somebody that we are choosing to willfully pour ourselves into, God. That is discipleship. Lord, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.